Parker Ponders, the podcast. The summer of 1987 was truly unforgettable. Western Massachusetts is an earthly paradise and I had the privilege of being paid. Well, I say paid. I was handed $150 in cash to spend what turned out to be the first of six fantastic summers in West Stockbridge. A leafy enclave of clapboard houses, shops and cars and Crane Lake Camp, seen of many a caper, not to mention the great underwear burning outrage. However, that happened years later and is, alas, a story for another time. I'm still in touch with many of the campers and staff that became close friends, not to mention their families who treated me as their own. I take great delight in the number of former campers who have produced campers to carry on the Crane Lake bubble. Mind you, if they turn out anything like their parents were at that age, I sense nothing but schadenfreude. That first summer was simply magical, inexplicable, exhausting, frustrating, on occasion terrifying in a what-the-hell-have-I-let-myself-in-for-now kind of way, but mostly curious, all in all peppered with new cultural experiences, both negative and positive. Many shocks along the way, not least of which was the realisation on arrival at just what I had let myself in for. It's not like I didn't have experience working with young people. I was a boys brigade lieutenant. I'd even lived through the privations of the Duke of Edinburgh's award expeditions. I still can't look at sheep in the same way. As I mentioned, that award was the key that opened up the many escapades I've had since this summer in 1987. I've been to the US before, well, Orlando, which I've since experienced is not the true America. That beast is a far more interesting character, full of contradictions, but a land of people with open hearts, at least the ones I met. I'd had enough of working for the post office, I was processing PAYE wages, and whilst it was a challenge for a few years, before too long it had become routine, boring even. Some days mischief emanated from our glass enclosure, but more on the switchboard operator next time. Having fallen in love with America in 1986, I yearned for a longer visit to a different place to get to know the country and its people better. I applied to Camp America, and after a fraught month or so waiting, I received confirmation of being placed at Crane Lake Camp. Back then, the internet was but a pipe dream. All I could do, with little joy, was try and locate the place in a friend's encyclopedia Britannica. After a truly cattle-class flight experience to New York, unforgettable if not for the fact it was stuffed to the gunnels with Camp America winners, not to mention my neighbour's opening gambit for conversation, I read that they make the doors on these extra strong to consider the extra strength some humans have in the event of something going wrong with the plane. Gee, thanks. My excitement at travelling to my new home was tempered by the bus journey getting there. I'll never understand the romance attributed to Greyhound bus travel, uncomfortable, cramped and not air-conditioned. I arrived a sweaty mess, definitely not a good impression. Turns out that didn't matter, but it didn't ease my nerves at the time. I've since learned that the three-plus hours of torturous bus journey transforms into a very pleasant two or so hours in a car with the right company. Less if the driver's foot is led. As a result of my Chuki Embra's Gold Award, I'd been taken on as a specialist pioneering counsellor, whatever that meant. As luck would have it, I had experienced boys' brigade-style pioneering at an officer's training weekend. We constructed bridges from wooden poles and great lengths of sisal rope. Thankfully, that wasn't Crane Lake's idea of pioneering, more traditional outdoor education activities. Not without incident, but I'll save those stories for another time. 
Heading north out of the city through quaint towns set in woodlands, the journey as unexciting as it was uncomfortable, we eventually arrived in Stockbridge. On disembarkation, I'd been told to wait by the pharmacy to be picked up. After a welcome opportunity to mooch around, as much as I could with my bags, a black XJ6 pulled up and my first experience with Ed's wife Barbara Ulanoff occurred. A hair-raising ride to camp with Brandy, her ginger dog-shaped early warning system. For the next two months or so, my home was a playground for kids running free for the summer. What could possibly go wrong? Before the hordes arrived, I was there for a week with a team of people, generally tarting up the joint as best as possible, relishing peaceful afternoons by the lake after a long day's labour, relaxing in tranquillity before the onslaught of over 300 kids exuberantly ruining the peace. As often happens, my life collided with somebody on the same wavelength, Steve. I'm not sure what happened the following summer, but summer 87 will always hold a special place in my heart for the magic not to mention the mayhem we created. As co-counsellors, we'd been gifted a cabin with 14 first-year teenagers. My favourite age to work with, on the cusp of turning into recalcitrant monsters, their inner child not completely subsumed to the horrors of puberty. We made a great team, and had a bunk full of kids only too willing to go along with our craziest ideas. One day Steve proposed for them a seance. Not convinced this was a particularly virtuous idea, we'd survived unscathed so far, so I thought why not, in for a penny and all that. He spent the next couple of days gathering the necessary paraphernalia before, out of the mist one evening after dinner, appearing enrobed in a white sheet, his eyes Alice Coopered, a psychedelic wimple hiding his rock star do. Sitting with the kids in a circle on the floor, he draped Great Aunt Matilda's shroud over their legs, and told the story of the poor unfortunate soul and her untimely demise. Sounding not totally dissimilar to the great Vera Swami, he intoned, Hit by a train, it was reported that her remains were found over there, and over there, and there, and a little bit on the fence, before continuing, And her spirit shall be summoned by the passing of her earthly remains amongst us. Steve had spent three days gathering all the necessary props, and, as he passed a peeled grape under the eye of the bed, he chanted, And here is her eye. No sooner than the boy to his right was handed the slimy sphere, said Camper sprang up, and was soon heard chuntering in the bathroom. The fate of the eye is unfortunately lost to time. And now, her leg. He'd appropriated a cow's leg from the meat company that made the burgers for camp. As the seance continued, an innocent onlooker cried, Where's her boobs? Gotta see her boobs! Well, that wasn't strictly the word he used, but in any event, I'm fairly sure he wasn't calling for Steve to get Aunt Matilda's garden birds out. As her last remnant, a lamb's liver, made its way tentatively under the shroud, two more hastened off to chunter in harmony, others called enough. The only thing that made a seancey reappearance was that night's meatballs. That summer instilled a belief of the potential of young people's recreation programs that led to some of the craziest, life-endangering, most ridiculous, ultimately life-enriching experiences. On more than one occasion during this career, I found myself subconsciously acting like Dad, my true capering role model.
Thanks, Dad. Parker Ponders, the podcast. Hear the next episode first on Parker's Packed Lunch, midday Tuesday on Shmoo FM, 99.8 FM in and around Aberdeen and around the world on www.shmu.org.uk forward slash FM forward slash listen or all good radio streaming platforms. Subscribe for the next episode to be delivered directly to your device.